Welcome to Walking with God, Pat Berry and Jeff Quinto's podcast, where Pat and Jeff talk about their walk with Christ. My name is Pat Berry. And my name is Jeff Quinto. And Pat and I get together on a fairly regular basis and talk about the most important thing in our lives, our Christian walk. So today, we're going to be talking about something a little bit different, contemplative spiritual practices. Now, up until a few weeks ago, this was something I was completely unfamiliar with. So what I did, did some research, went online, and found a website called ignatianspirituality.com. Didn't know that that existed, but it does. And it's a type of meditative prayer that we're going to be talking about here, first of all, in just a few minutes. It dates back to the 1500s. Now, on the website, they had an excerpt from the book called The Ignatian Adventure by Kevin O'Brien, where he explained Ignatius of Loyola was convinced God could speak to us through imagination. So this prayer through imagination is called contemplation, which is a very active way to pray. It engages the heart and mind. It stirs up thoughts and emotions. And it's also different in the Christian tradition than in other contemplative sort of spirituality in in various religions that, that you find. Because in other faiths, Where the object is to clear your mind, the object here is to have your mind and spirit filled. So, Jeff, why don't you lead us through just exactly what this is, because you were the first one that mentioned it to me. I said, I've I've never heard about this. Let's do a show on it. Yeah, I'm glad that we are. We were talked about this a couple of weeks ago, you and I, and it was an important thing for me, this idea of contemplation, particularly the Ignatian method of contemplation. It's simply called Ignatian contemplation or imaginative prayer would be another way to describe it. But in summary, it's a way to read the Bible, to prayerfully read the Bible, and to place yourself within the story. And you can imagine as you place yourself within the story, you are viewing this scripture in a different way because you're not just a a spectator to what's going on. You're actually a participant, an imaginative participant in what's going on. And let me go over the steps in Ignatian contemplation, and then we're going to try to do it on a really interesting scripture, I think. And so we start off with this. We begin with prayer. You prepare yourself with prayer. Anytime you read the Bible, I think you should start with a prayer. In other words, the Bible is not like reading the newspaper or a magazine or something else. It's quite different, and it's meant to be quite different. It's meant to be different, and by starting and ending your Bible reading with prayer, you're bookending the Bible reading with prayer, so you're setting it apart, setting it apart in a different way than you would other types of reading, and you're going to calm your mind. You're going to, you're going to get rid of the things that are affecting you, that are, that are moving your thoughts away from the Bible and Instead, you are focusing on this one thing you're doing, which is reading a specific scripture. So you start off by praying. Then you read the scripture passage several times until you know the story. So you read whatever the scripture passage is, you read it several times so you fully understand the story. And now what you do is you picture the setting. You picture the setting and you look at who the characters are. You picture what they might have looked like. And you try to add details to it as you're, as you're standing there yourself. And then you picture yourself within part of the story as if you're one of the characters. One of the characters. Because now, after all, you understand the story. You've placed the other people around you. You've put it in a specific place where it's happening. And you're there. And you picture yourself there. And then you imagine what you would say and do in this situation. 
So you're looking at it as if you're there. And more than that, you're thinking, what would I have done? What would I be doing? Would I be yelling? Would I be supporting somebody? What would I be doing in this specific story? When the story comes to an end in your mind, sit quietly and think about what you've learned and how you can apply it to your life. So this has a purpose today to placing yourself in this ancient story that you're reading in scripture is actually intended to place you in a, in a different place for you to teach you what is meant to be learned in a full and complete way. And then you dialogue through prayer with God asking questions and raising issues from what you've learned. And then you take time, importantly, to listen and hear what God has to say to you. You just sit back. What does God have to say to you in this? So I'd like to use one of my favorite stories in the New Testament and it actually relates to a place. And this is easy for me to picture because I've been to the place. This is the exact spot, the path, that Jesus went down on a donkey colt on Palm Sunday. I've been there. Now, I've seen lots of things in Israel. But the fact is that this one place really took me. The first time I was there, and I looked. Now, you can't walk down the path that Jesus walked down because there are, there are gates that prevent you and fences that prevent you from actually walking down this ancient path. But it looks about like you would picture it looked like at the time. And so as you look at it, you go, oh, my goodness, this is the path that Jesus went down. And it looks like the path. So you're leaning against the gate, if you will, looking over the fence and looking at this path. And so let's read the scripture that relates to this. I'm going to read here from Matthew's version, reading the 21st chapter, starting at the 6th verse. The disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So picture yourself there. Picture yourself on this path, on this ancient path, going down the hill. Here comes Jesus. Jesus, you've heard about him. You've never seen him before, but you've heard about him. There he is on a donkey colt. People are taking off their cloaks and putting him for the donkey and Jesus to walk over. And they've got these branches. They're waving these branches and they're putting the branches in front of him so they can walk down on that. And people are saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna means rescue me. It means rescue me. So people are yelling, rescue me. Jesus, the son of David, rescue me over and over again. So you place yourself in this. You place yourself on this path, standing with these other people. Picture it now. You're standing with these other people and you're saying it. What are you going to say? Are you going to be silent? Are you going to be quiet? Or are you going to be loud? Or are you going to be trying to get Jesus' attention? Hosanna to the son of David. Or are you going to be saying it so loudly that Jesus might look over at you and, and might bless you in that look? Is that what you're going to do? So this is how this Ignatian contemplation works. You place yourself in the story. You can do this over and over again in the Bible, can't you? Placing yourself in the story. And then you look back on it because it, it, that isn't all that it's meant to be. It's meant to be more than that. It's meant to be more than that because you're meant to learn from that. And I think the thing that I take from this is that how would I be today? If this happened today, something similar to this, now maybe not exactly this thing, how would I be? Would I be loudly screaming? Would I be yelling? Would I be, would I be praying? Would I be, would I be an example to other people? That's what I think I take away from this. And I think 
in many cases, I come up wanting because I don't think I would be as enthusiastic in the reality of today in the 21st century as the people were, as I might have pretended that I would be in the first century. So there's something to be learned from this, even comparing ourselves today to how we would act in a similar situation, in a situation that called for us to be calling out the good news, to be proclaiming the good news loudly and clearly, and yet we're quiet. So when we think of ourselves with Jesus going down the path on Palm Sunday, we don't picture ourselves as being quiet. Yet today, we're quiet when we proclaim the good news, aren't we? We're quiet and we're subtle and we're, we're shy about it. You know, in my little story here, I didn't picture myself as being shy. I picture myself as being bold. Yet in reality, in the 21st century, I'm anything but bold. I'm mostly shy about this. What about you, Pat? It depends upon the situation, but you, you're right. Going back to this, the, the process that you just led us through there, that was, that was some good stuff. Now I have a much better understanding of what this is. And, you know, I think this is a way to really make these stories come alive. They, they really do, because we read them over and over and over, and we know them by heart. But if you just kind of place yourself in the middle of the story, they become real. They are real, and they should become real. But this is just, it's a way to make it become real. It reminds me of a, a John Eldridge book that I was uh, reading a few years ago, and he told the story of right after Christ was crucified and his apostles went out to do some fishing. It's when they saw him on the shore and they, they didn't catch anything and, and they didn't recognize him. And he says, have you caught anything? And no, we haven't. Well, try putting the, the net on the other side. And he says, can't you just picture these guys saying, what, what did he say? He says, put the net on the other side. Okay, put the net on the other side. And of course, they caught a lot of fish. And he says, it probably wasn't long before one of them said, hey, remember the last time this happened? And then there was probably going to be a pause. And you can just imagine the pause. And all eyes go to the shore. And Peter, of course it would be Peter, says, it's the Lord. Recognizes him. And then they all recognize him. And they, and they come in. You know, I'd read that a hundred times. But until I read that version of it, it makes it come alive. Like you can, you can actually picture... When you picture the way people are, and look, the way people are now is the way they were 2,000 years ago. Human nature is human nature. That doesn't change. So you're going to get people shouting. You're going to get people questioning, saying, who is this guy? You're going to be having people say, you know, that's the Messiah. That's Jesus. That's our Messiah. And other people saying, oh, that can't be the Messiah. It would be the same today. Back to your point about am, am I bold or, or am I not bold? I'm not as bold as I want to be. But doing this sort of thing really helps me. And I think it helps cement confidence because we are going by faith. We are living by faith. We're living by faith in a God that we've never seen. We know he's alive. We know he's with us. We feel him with us, but we've never actually seen him. Again, it's human nature. It's human nature to have that be a difficult thing to believe in something, truly, truly believe in something that you've, you've never seen. So it, it would help me to be more bold in different times than I am. And I guess, I guess I'm a little more bold with people I know than with people I don't know. I don't know about you. With some people, I think it's the opposite. I think some people have a much easier time speaking to strangers rather than fam family members. 
I get it. But hopefully this sort of thing can, can help you wherever you're at. Yeah, because you place yourself in the story. Actually, that's a great one. Because I wonder, as, I, as, you're, as we're looking at that story, if you were on the boat and you haven't done, you've been out all night, you've been out all night and you haven't caught anything, and this guy on the shore, who really you don't know who he is um, at that moment, uh, says put the net on the other side for a catch, and then you put the net on the other side. Why wouldn't you? Because, I mean, what the heck? What the heck? Nothing's worked so far, so why wouldn't you try that? It goes back to human nature. Yeah, and, and so you put it on the other side, and you get 153 fish. It's, like, remarkable. The biggest catch is going to break the net. You'll be lucky to get it back to shore. And so you wonder, if you were there, how would that affect you, and how long would it affect you? That's one of the things I, I think about when I hear this. How long would it affect you? In other words, if I was there, I guarantee that I'd be a believer for that moment. I'd go, wow, look at this. And then when you realize it's the Lord, you'd go, oh, my gosh, this is the Lord. This is the Lord that did this. This is a miracle right here in front of me. But you know what? Two weeks later, would you be the same person you were before? Would you have drifted back to being this sort of halfway believer? Or would you still be moved by this in a complete way? I would say you'd probably drift back. Yeah. Which is, which is why it's so important to stay in the Word every day. Absolutely, because our natural tendency is to drift back, yes. right? Yep. Our natural tendency is to drift back. We have these things. You know, Pat, you've had them. I've had them. I've had extraordinary things happen in my life that I've seen right in front of me, healings, miraculous things that I've seen. But you know what? A little while later, I, I, don't, I don't particularly discount them completely, but they don't have the same effect. Actually, this is a great point you just made. You have to stay in the Word. You have to stay you have to stay focused. It's like you're an athlete. You have to stay in condition. Yes. The way you stay in condition with in your Christianity is to stay in the Word, to stay in the Bible every day, every day doing this. And now we've got a tool. We've, we have a tool that we can use, which is this Ignatian contemplation, which is a great tool, something that we can use to place ourselves in the story and then to think about how would I do? What would I do? How would I move forward from this? And, you know, we've got another one. I want to do one more before we, before we end this. And that is, can you imagine yourself in this scene? Now, this is the following scene from the one that I just read coming down the, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And then Jesus goes to the temple. According to Matthew, he goes the right afterwards. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. Now, in one version of this, Jesus had a, has some sort of a rope with cords that he's twisting around and he's, he's beating these people, knocking over tables, we know from this, doing all of these things. Okay, what if you were there? What would you think of that? Here, this lunatic guy from Nazareth that you, you've heard something about, but you've never seen. He comes in and he's turning over all the tables. Now, you probably know that the money changers are cheating the people. You probably have a sense of that. In other words, you know this isn't a fair exchange because they're becoming rich off of the people from out of town that, that changing the money into the temple money. You have a sense of that, but nobody's ever said anything or done anything. If they've said anything, they've certainly never done anything. And here's this Jesus of Nazareth. He's turning over the tables. He is making a scene deluxe. How does that work? Would you join in and help him or would you run the other way? I don't know. Uh, I got a feeling that I'd just be appalled. I just wouldn't know what to do. But you're a, you would be a witness to it, right? right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm sure that I'd like to think that I would join him somehow in this righteous effort, but I don't think there's a chance of that. I think you are absolutely (laughs) correct. As much as I'd like to think that I would join in with him and cheering him on and doing this, even though, as I said a moment ago, everyone would probably realize that this is an unfair exchange. So... This is not what the temple's meant to be. As Jesus said, this, uh, my temple is my, my house is meant to be a house of prayer, not a house of, not a den of robbers. So he's, he's said that, and yet we're standing there watching. And that's what we do, I think. We take this and look at this and think, what in our lives today are we standing around watching things that we should be doing something about, should be saying something about? I don't know fully what the answer is, but I guarantee that there are things like that. There are serious things happening in our world that we should be an influence to the good, that we should be comforting to people, that we should be calling out things that are, that are wrong. But we don't do it. And we don't do it because we're afraid or we don't want to stand out or we don't want to make a stink about things. And another thing I'd like, a point I'd like to make is that you'll notice that Jesus never does this anyplace else. In other words, Jesus is not out turning over the tables of the civil government. His ire is focused on the temple because the temple is held to a different standard. The temple is held to a much different standard and he is calling that to task. I've always thought that was very interesting who Jesus saved his ire for. And maybe we could do another a separate podcast on that because that might be that might be a, a totally separate show. But great, great points on what you just said. And I think, you know, what we're doing, what we're supposed to be doing, here's the thing. It's different for everyone. What you're doing, what I'm doing, and sometimes our paths merge, sometimes they cross, sometimes they go in different directions. So that's another thing that I think this can help you do is find out, you know, hey, Lord, what it, what is it that the Lord wants you to do? And then get out and do it, especially now, especially now. This world, it's just going the wrong direction. And what the world needs now more than ever is the saving power of Jesus Christ. And as Christians, it's up to us. It's not up to your pastor. It's not up to your local church. It's one-on-one. It's talking to people one-on-one. It's talking to your family. It's talking to your friends. Maybe it's talking to strangers one-on-one, just one person at a time. And if you're asking thinking to yourself, you know, well, I, I'm just, I'm one person. What can I do? You know what? You can talk to one other person. And then that person talks to another person. And that's, that's the way it goes. So we'd love to just encourage you to do that. Absolutely. That's well said, Pat. You know, Pat and I started with this on a premise. And the premise is, a, is actually a quote from C.S. Lewis that says, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, is of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. And that's the theme we'd like to leave you with, is this Christianity, if it's not true, it doesn't make any difference. But if it is true, it makes eternal difference. It's the most important thing. It makes an infinite difference. And Pat and I are all in for this. We are all in. We are committed to this. our Christianity. I pray that you are too. And I pray that this podcast will bring you a little closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, you have shown us a way to place ourselves within your story. We are in your story right now. We live in your story. And it shows us from the past of how to be part of your story through these beautiful scriptures where we can actually be part of it, be standing there where things happen and learn from that how we should act in a similar situation, how we should change things, how we should support people, how we should help people, how we should do the things that you would have us do. Lord, will you watch over us? Will you keep us in safety? And will you bring us to you in Jesus' holy and mighty, mighty name? Amen. Amen.